with Scotty Scott. I am a chef based out of Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I own the uh, catering slash pop-up event slash uh, social media handle called Cook, Drink, Eat. And I just published my first cookbook, Fix Me a Plate, available at cookdrinkeat.com, Amazon, Barnes Noble, and all your favorite retailers. This, 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 this is, is, this is, is diversified game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I'm bringing you guys some more chef game because I'm not 200 pounds for no reason. I'm 200 pounds because I like to eat. So when Kenya of the South told me, hey, I got a chef for you. He's remixing some stuff. Um, would you be interested? I had to say, see, yebo if I'm in South Africa. But welcome, y'all, uh, and welcome, Scotty Scott, to the show. How are you doing, my bruv? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. And, you know, during the pandemic, there were a lot of people who had to learn how to cook that said, I didn't even know how to do rice. I'm like, man, who raised you, TK Kirtland, right? <laughs> uh, what brought out, like, when did you get your love for cooking? And when did you know people would pay you for it? Because you got an untraditional background that we're going to get into. You weren't always a cook or a chef. Yeah. I learned pretty early on. My mother was always the one preparing meals for our extended family, and my father was was on the grill. And so it was probably about nine or ten, just after you know hanging out in the kitchen, watching everybody uh, work the magic before it came out to the table, that I tried to start dabbling in it myself. And so uh, it was pretty early on. I tried to start making my own meals. Uh, my mother worked late nights, so it was peanut butter and jelly got real old. So uh, burning up the kitchen a little bit uh literally and figuratively and just started diving into it and then so uh once i got out of uh my long tenure in school of undergrad and law school and started hosting dinner parties and stuff like that i really started you know getting a little more confidence and, and feeling like i could maybe bring this uh food to more than just my immediate family now i just met you but i want to know at what point did wait these ladies actually like what I cook. And that turned it on to another notch to say, now I got to practice, you know, all these dishes they've never had. Cause you know, chefs, you know, you chefs are like comedians. You got that thing about you, you know, right. behind closed doors, uh -huh. it really turns up. So right. talk about that, that part of it. Uh, it was, it was interesting, man, just because, you know, uh, it definitely is a different dynamic in terms of, uh, you know, someone like they can cook like, Oh, you can cook. You cook it all the time, right? I'm like, well, no, I mean, I'm not cooking all the time. I can cook. We could share the cooking duties, but it's still, it is, it is my love language. And I do appreciate being able to, uh, you know, to cook for not only just, you know, folks in the public, but, you know, my family members and my spouse. And, you know, during the pandemic, it was, it was, it was a blessing because, you know, people were, they couldn't cook. They was having to eat out and take out and pick up, you know, stuff. And we just, you know, cooking, chill out in the house and, perfect recipes and and feed my family okay and and and, and you you answered it but i i want to know was it in your teenage years when you said i can really throw down 
and it because it takes your circle like your inner circle right. when people know you right. have that type of a skill it, it elevates you in a way where you can now be invited places others are like nah don't bring him he ain't got nothing to offer but you can throw <laughs> down so at what around what age did you say you know what this helps me socially as what you know with my not just dating life but just inside my, my with my peers yeah, it wasn't really until I really graduated school because, uh, you know, growing up, I kind of dabbled a little bit. And then I went to college and, you know, I was a broke college student. You know, I had money for basically dollar pancake mix, beer and potatoes. And so it wasn't until I got out of school and got a job, I like started you know, using different ingredients and stuff like that, that I really saw uh, the, the, the opportunities that could open up for me. And I'm a bit of a, a extroverted introvert. I like to be involved, but I don't want to have to talk to people. And so when I throw dinner parties, I could be in the kitchen the whole time cooking. Everybody could mingle and I could still be there, but not have to carry a conversation the whole time. So it kind of helped me uh, blend both uh, both sides of my personality in that aspect. Well, now you guys know if you do hire the chef, don't be trying to talk his ear off because he's trying to be in his safe place, in his place where he can be in the zone. And everybody is, you know, everybody is different because some folks talk about, oh, I love the open air kitchen so I can talk to my guests while cooking. Nah, you might want to be a little off, you know, just doing your thing. Now, being going from law school to becoming a chef and writing a book about it, can you talk about the support or the lack of people probably thought you were crazy like oh here comes another lawyer wanting to be a john grisham or you know wanting to show show another you know uh, attribute if he didn't have enough talents what type of support or what did people think of you when you came out and said i'm gonna really do this and i'm gonna put a book out uh fortunately it was a it was a lot of support because people have been telling me to write a cookbook for years and i've been pushing back on it i'm like yeah no that's not my thing you know i'm just kind of dabbling in a little bit and you know once i started cook drink eat and really started you know uh having a, a different social media followings i really started thinking about maybe this is a, a opportunity for me and so it's already been in the back of my head and then once the publisher uh approached me about it i was like okay i gotta take this opportunity you know it's now now or never um that it's right there for the taking and so the support once i finally decided to jump into it was was pretty overwhelming to be honest with you and and you know being a a lawyer let let people know you know did you get into cooking out of the love or was it like you got into law and said you know what i really don't want to do this the rest of my life it, it you know because people have those epiphanies after you know uh law right. school or even medical school like this is not really what i wanted right yeah you know so i think a lot of people um go into things you know basically to pay the bills um and going into law school uh you know i had this this idea of what you see on on television what a lawyer is you know people go into it thinking you know doctors and lawyers you go to law school medical school you make a bunch of money you live happily ever after and it's not necessarily the case. You know, you got lawyers making 30,000 a year and you got lawyers making 3 million a year. It just depends on how good you are, your connections and what kind of fields you're in. And so um, I've always enjoyed what I do, but you know, cooking was my passion. Cooking is, you know, what I do regardless. If I wasn't getting paid for it, I'm gonna be cooking. And so um, I just, at some point in time, a couple of years ago, so decided I'm gonna jump into it and just see where it takes me, you know, because um, you just never know until you kind of dive into it um, feet first, so to speak. 
Now for that entrepreneur saying, you know what, that's my story. I need to like give it all up, you know, whether they are a surgeon or, you know, a plumber, what steps did you take before you said, you know what, I'm not going to practice law and I'm going to go put two feet in, two hands in cooking, put my foot in it. Um, just doing research and seeing what it took. You know, I mean, I, I, I enjoy all aspects of it. I mean, I do pop-ups because I love to feed people. I mean, food for me is spiritual. So if you're not eating it, you know, what, what sense does it make? But there's a social media aspect to it that people that have never cooked for anybody before in their life make a good living off of that. And so just a matter of uh, doing research, seeing what was feasible, what made the most sense, and how could I, uh, you know, best attack all the different avenues of how cooking and and uh, recipes and and all food, all things food, would fit my life. Now, okay, I, I had a hater alert, so I have to. I want to clarify something so they can make sure they put some respect on your name. There, oh there's somebody, you know, you know, people will say, "Oh, well, maybe he got into cooking because he didn't pass the bar." Or right, I told you <laughs> about them HBCUs at TSU, which I love TSU because me and my wife and I went to Grambling State and Whoa. my grand fam. But I, but people, you know, they'll try to put that on you and say, "See, this is why." And it's like, wait, that might not be my story. So can right. you tell people, you know, how long you did practice law? and what type of law you practice. I'm gonna see if I can find a correlation between the law you practice and cooking right. while you explain that. Right. So, I mean, I don't necessarily, I have a law degree. I don't practice mm -hmm. law, I work in oil and gas. And to be honest with you, I think uh, the if I'm really, you know, being honest with myself, I never took the bar because I didn't wanna have that as an out. I went to law school to make money but it wasn't anything that I would have was passionate about. And I figured as soon as I did that, I'd be giving up on everything else that I was looking really passionate about. And so, um, you know, like I said, I work in oil and gas and, and that's, that's paid me well over the past 12 years or so. Um, but you know, all, it's all about spiritual growth and, and, and wanting to, you know, I've got a young family now. I want to be able to spend more time with them. And so that kind of falls into play in terms of me being able to control my own destiny. So if you guys put it together, he told you, and I know some lawyers who make, you said 30,000. I know some in Lubbock, Texas, who are making 25,000. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. and it looks, you look good with the suit and everything. And, and um, it, it makes me think, you know, you had to take the LSAT and you had to, you know, some of you had to go into the Chloe program. I was, uh, Chloe didn't even let me in. That's how bad my LSAT was, y'all. But, you know, um, but you did all of this and then to really get into your, you know, your, your passion. Can you talk about, do you even feel like you're working when you're cooking and doing these pop-ups, knowing that you're doing, fulfilling your purpose? You know, to answer that question, no, but I'm gonna get back to that. I wanted to circle back, you know, part of it also was, uh, you know, growing up, my mother was in education. She was a high school counselor for 42 years with the Board of Education. And uh, initially, you know, when I was young, I enjoyed writing. Um, but at some point in time, I felt like I needed to get a real job, as my mama called it, you know, <laughs> go work for somebody for 40 years, get your retirement. And that's what you do. And so I think that's one reason why um, I was shied away from being an entrepreneur initially, because, you know, that was what I thought I needed to do. And then once you get out there in the corporate world and realize they don't really give a damn about you and uh, <laughs> that that 
that aspect of that that dream that my mother had does not really correspond to today's working force. So I think that was one of the reasons why I, I went to law school and was trying to make sure that I, I secure that. But uh, it kind of came full circle with this book and that, you know, now uh, Detroit Public Library is going to have it uh, in, in their um, circulation. And some of my mother's recipes are going to be in the Detroit Public Library. So I'm sure she'd be um, more than happy and proud of, of the way it's turned out and, and the life turn that I've made here. No, that's a beautiful thing. So he's in the cat system. So if you guys are at your library and you want this book, feel free, you know, try to order it from your library, especially for you, though, those are friends of the library, meaning you paid your 25 annual, you know, dollar membership. So you have a little more say. That's a beautiful thing. Right. Congratulations. Congratulations to that that's a that's that's a major thing i i have some books in libraries and i'm like when that happened i thought i made it you couldn't tell me nothing i got my george <laughs> jefferson walk on you know canada is buying our books you know what i mean so that's a beautiful right. thing beautiful thing now the best is yet to come you're still young what is a community give back that you are doing or that you would like to do in the future um just you know teaching children about entrepreneurship, um, knowing that they have different avenues. I think right now we're kind of at a little bit of a reckoning with that, but folks just assume, you know, you've got to go to college to make yourself successful. And for many, that is the path, but it's not the path for everybody. And, you know, a lot of people go into college and they wind up with debt and then they're not even working in their field. And so mentorship, you know, hoping that people can try to um, do something that they enjoy doing. Don't do it for the money. Make sure they're doing it for the right reason. And hopefully we can get, um, you know, a new generation of, of people that are, that are passionate about what they're doing instead of trying to make sure they can just pay the bills. Now, you come from South Carolina. No. Um, no? Detroit. Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. Yeah. Okay. We got some bad information online, um, you know, on, on the on the on the Google. Um, just so you know, it, it said Arthur Arthur grew up in Somerville, South Carolina. So um, Detroit. OK, they might okay. be trying to clone you. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. For those of you can see, it's, in, that's, it's interesting, but it's right. it, it. OK, but being from Detroit still, you guys have a strong black community, or I should say maybe you did before the gentrification. Um, yeah, still do. It's still, still do. How, how is it for the, you know, the black community in Detroit? Is it thriving? Or are we seeing, you know, what we're seeing in Oakland, what we're seeing in even some places in Africa where they're pushing mm -hmm. us out and they're dividing us. So our historical neighborhoods are becoming no more. It's definitely like that. You know, I, I get back about once a year and I'm blown away by the gentrification you know it's it's bike shops where it used to be you know crack houses and all that kind of stuff and and it's really spreading i know you know abandoned buildings that are now going for 500 600 700 000. um and there's still you know a large black community there and i, I am seeing people that are um, trying to work within uh the city to kind of um pushing in a new direction you know one of the biggest things that happened in detroit was the loss of population um i think you know one time when i was growing up it was about just over a million i think it's down to like six hundred thousand now and so because of that loss of population you've got large swaths of the city that are just abandoned you know you've got 
blocks and blocks where it might be one or two houses standing. And so there's kind of a, a push to kind of revitalize um, the city in terms of, you know, urban farming and urban wineries and, and things of that nature to kind of help the um, existing uh, residents try to reimagine what, what the city is going to look like. Interesting. You guys, if you're in cities like this, you need to grab every piece of real estate before they build that bike shop or that Starbucks, because, you know, at some point we got to take extreme ownership for the moves we make and talk about moves for, you know, whether you're listening on iTunes, iHeartRadio, our latest partner at AYV Radio in Freetown, Sierra Leone, or you want to kick up our YouTube numbers. Go check out Cook, Drink, Eat, the YouTube numbers. Um, this is, uh, you know, when I see this, I'm like, okay, this, you might be ready for TV. You know, you might be ready for TV. I know you said you're an introvert, but is that all a goal of yours to say, yeah, I'll do some TV? Yeah, I've got, I've got some things in the works as far as uh, television is concerned. It's funny because when I, when I got into this, I had no desire to do that. Uh, whatsoever, you know, before I got on um, Instagram, I wasn't really on social media. I still don't know how to use Facebook. Um, but ultimately, it just comes down to um, one, doing anything I can to feed my family that involves food. So if somebody wants to put me in front of a camera, I'm going to do it. Um, two, you know, I am and I, I watched I, somebody was um, speaking about uh, Larry King. And so he's, you know, the well known, um, uh, I guess, reporter interviewer, whatever you want to call him. And they said, you know, he was one of those people that was just always on, you know, the personality that you saw was him 24 seven. Whereas with a mm -hmm. lot of entertainers, they're more laid back, they're shy, but when they're on, they're on. And that's kind of me, you know, I mean, like when I'm in my own zone by my space, I'm pretty reserved. I just like to lay back in the cut. But, you know, if I'm talking about my business, if I'm talking about something I'm passionate about that I'm doing, then I'm on and I'm, I'm ready to go, you know, so uh yeah i got some things in works and we'll, we'll see how it goes but uh, I'm, I'm just like i said anything that involves food i'm down to do it you know no that's awesome and and you having that you know that switch you know sit being being uh in the youtube streets you know we call that the kevin samuels uh thing off air <laughs> very cool cat um on air you might get some smoke especially if you call in <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah now tell the people, you know, they can go to Amazon and get the book. Are you hireable if they say, you know, I'd love for you to do my event at VidCon, which is coming up in June, y'all, in Anaheim, or I want you to do my event in New York. Um, are you available for, you know, collaborations or to be hired like that? Absolutely. I'm I'm a chef for hire. So, you know, if you got the the time, I got the money, I got the time, you know, I've, I've done a couple pop ups around the country. I've got one, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a cooking demo coming up in LA this month. I mean, this weekend, um, I've done pop ups in New York and Detroit and Houston. And so yeah, I mean, if you if you want to taste the food uh, firsthand prepared by the man himself, then I am more than happy to come and do it for you. And I saw you doing like a paella dish, and I know you can do various dishes. Tell them what's unique about, you know, an experience with your food. You know, when I do pop-ups, um, I do my creations. And so there are two things that I want people to come away with when they uh, experience my food. One, I want them to say it was delicious. And two, I've never had that before. 
you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, my whole thing is trying to put a new spin on different recipes. And so like, you know, from the book, uh, from the remix chapter, I've, instead of shrimp and grits, which I do have in there, I've got shrimp and fried grits, which is basically polenta that I've uh, made, you know, with some delicious cheese and some broth. And then we put it up in the squares and we fry it. So we've got a whole different crispiness and a texture to it with those same shrimp and grits flavor that you're used to. And so, um, you know, I just want people to have a different experience when they're eating something with me because uh, I'm always trying to 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 push the envelope, and I think the experience is such a big part of eating that it, that's really plays a big play into it. Well, you guys have got the game. If we gave you any more game, man, you got to go to the either Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, or the library to get it, so you can get the full experience. The man took his time to put it in a book, so you or your children can learn something. Make sure you guys share this game with somebody. It will change their life. Scotty, I thank you for coming on. Hey, I thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, man. Hi, guys. I'm Kai Gabiam from the Diaspora Channel, a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well, and you would love to visit one day or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. And this course is my first trip to Africa, a course well put together by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash Coleman. This course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money. And the great news is this course costs only $20, guys. It can't get any better. Go right now and enroll to this course at www.diversifygame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversify Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifyGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.